Genesis 23. Try to zip through this one quickly so we can get to everybody's favorite. How Re how Isaac gets a wife or how Rebecca gets a husband. Read um, read John for a while. Read read through verse thirteen. And Sarah was one hundred and seven and twenty years old. These were the years of the life of Sarah. This is Sarah Buckner. She was born at 127 years old. No. And true. Sarah died in hmm, Arba, the same as Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abraham came to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. And Abraham stood up from before his dead and spake unto the sons of Heath, saying, I am a stranger and sojourner. Sojourner. Sojourner? Yeah. With you. Give me a possession of burying of a burying place with you, that I may bury my dead out of my sight. And the children of Heath answered Abraham, saying unto him, Hear us, my lord, thou art a mighty prince among us, and the choice of our sepulchres bury thy dead. None of us shall withhold from thee a sepulchre, but that thou mayest bury thy dead. And Abraham stood up and bowed himself to the people of the land, even to the children of Heath. And he communed with them, saying, If it be your mind that I should bury my dead out of my sight, hear me and entreat for me to Ephron, son of Zohar, that he may give me the cave of Machpelah, which he hath, which is, the, which is in the end of his field. For as much money as it is worth, he shall give me, a, give me for a possession of a burying place amongst you. And Ephraim dwelt among the children of Heath. And Ephraim the Hittite answered Abraham in the audience of the children of Heath, even of all that went in at the gate of his city, saying, Nay, my lord, hear me. The field give I thee, and the cave that is therein I give it thee. In the presence of the sons of my people give I it thee, bury thy dead. And Abraham bowed down himself before the people of the land. And he spake unto Ephraim in the audience of the people of the land, saying, If thou wilt give it, I pray thee, hear, hear me. I will give thee money for the field. Take it of me, and I will bury my, my dead there. Okay. Um, Sarah, it's, it's kind of interesting, Sarah is the only woman in the Bible whose age is given any breath to. Uh, she's the only one whose age is recorded when she died. 127 years old. Modern medicine says that there's no reason that we physiologically cannot live to be 120. And that the one singular thing that causes aging, more aging even than the ultraviolet rays from the sun, is anxiety. And that if we could be free of anxiety, there's no reason that we shouldn't live to be 120 years old. 
the reason that anxiety is so traumatic to our systems is because we are opposing ourselves. Now, the question is, which self is opposing which self? But to, to oppose ourselves, really, if you could step back and look at it, it's kind of dumb. But if you think about your life, to this point, most of your life has been spent in opposing yourself. That's why the word peace is so important. Because when Christ said, I come, that you might have peace, not the, not the peace that the world gives you, but the peace that passes understanding. It's like every, if we could walk in belief, if we could walk in faith, we would be without anxiety. That's the, that's the state. Now, most of us have no idea what that would be like because we've never experienced a state that wasn't in anxiety. You, you understand what I'm saying? That your whole life up to this point has been one in which your system, you as a hunk of protoplasm, was opposing itself. So you have never, even in sleep, experienced peace. Now, peace literally means the absence of againstness. When you can see that there is absolutely nothing against you, externally, inwardly, externally, nothing. First of all, then maybe for the first time in your life, you can begin to walk in a way in which you are not motivated by fear. Because the natural result of anxiety is fear. They go hand in hand. Now, that's what we are about. What we are about as a group of people is to come to a point in which we can walk in a position without anxiety and we can move forward without being motivated by fear. Now, there's only one way that that can happen to you. You can't do it by taking a pill. You can't do it by getting drunk. You can't do it by getting high every night. You can't do it by all the other tricks of the trade. There's only one way that God has designed the human race to be able to walk in a position without anxiety, thereby moving without fear. And that is that everything in the world has come against you. Well, that's what fellowship is about. That once everything in the world, including everything your mind, everything the system, and everything that Satan can throw at you, and you've been able to see and perceive and understand and emotionalize, that it cannot touch you. 
then for the first time in your life you can begin to walk without anxiety and you can begin to live without fear now that the neat part about it all is is that I don't care what your blackest fears are I don't care what your deepest depressions are Christ met them he's he's taken the best that the world the flesh and the devil can offer and when he walked through hell for the three days before he was resurrected, he experienced the worst fears, the worst imaginings that can ever be imagined by anyone. He experienced them and then exploded out of hell like a atomic bomb. And so what does all this mean? All this means is, is that as all of the things in life and for many of you it's me, come against you, they're coming against you for only one singular reason, so that your true identity would be exposed. And that true identity, since he has already experienced all of the things that the world can do to him, and overcome it, including death, then you can be, when you know who you are, you walk without, you walk in a new way that you may have, you may never have taste, even yet tasted. You understand? Mm -hmm. Does that sound like something that's attractive? This, when you're talking about you couldn't get this from a pill, I, I had experienced something that close to it, and it was the first time I ever took LSD, and I had the feeling of we were out by the lake, and uh, it was like I felt like right where I was at, right at that time, everything. You know, I was exactly where I needed to be. I was like a, a dog, I felt like, in a good sense. Like, you know, I had nothing to worry about, nothing to do. But um, even that was a counterfeit because I knew in the back of my mind that I would come down sometime. Right. But it's... Well, no, I, let, me, let me rephrase that. You can get a taste of it in, in a sexual orgasm. You can get a taste of it in a pill or a pot or anything else. But it's only the fully tested unit or seed that is not happy for a season and mourning or happy for a day and mourning for a season. Now this is why Paul said this incredible stuff. He said we glory in tribulation. In knowledge you glory when things are coming against you because tribulation worketh in patience. And patience means steadfast, or steadfast endurance, continuing. And, and patience, tribulation worketh patience, patience worketh experience. And experience means tried or tested integrity. And experience, hope. Why? Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. And you're not ashamed. Now, the reason, the, the, then, then now, now we come to a secret. The secret is that you cannot possibly know this without enduring. And the second thing is, is that all of the possible worst things that you can imagine that are happening to you are happening by God. Not by Oli. Not by anything else. They're happening by God. 
for you to be tested in that enduring process. Now the fruit of that endurance is love unspeakable, joy unspeakable. That's like I was talking to Jen about Butch. Butch was gone for eight years. But he, when he got back, it was like he was gone for a minute. Yeah. And it was, you know, it's neater than... Dog shit. <laughs> I was thinking about that this afternoon, and it reminded me, it's that crazy logic of God that, that the, the good man, the man who's been good all his life, who, who turns from the good to the evil has had it, and the man who's been evil all his life, who turns to the good, it's like it never was. Right. Yeah. I was thinking I've been feeling lately like I felt before I got into church, church religiosity and all that. I was, um, when I was younger in high school and all, I was always kind of a nonconformist, and I could see a lot of the bullshit, I guess, and, and, um, I just I have that feeling. I feel like all my religious stuff, it, it means less than nothing now. And where it was bugging me, you know, the last eight or uh, nine, ten years, whatever. But it's neat because I feel like I'm, I'm myself again, like I was before I was a Christian. Right. And I'm totally accepted, and it's totally right. It's neat. I feel like I'm ten years younger. Amen. Yeah. Now. The Bible says that, that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now, faith, faith is like, um, Faith really has three parts to it. It starts first with a, a mental assent that something is true. Or maybe not even true, that, it, that, that it's possible that it's true. So there, there has to be this mental assent that, it, there's pos that, that the possibility of it's being true as soon as that hits, then there is an internal hope that rises to meet it. Now, when those two spark, it sparks the third thing, which is action. Action, action may be simply calling somebody and saying you're sorry. Action may be um, just staying. Action may be, you know, but... All of the action of faith has to do with the sacrifice of Isaac, what we just studied. It's, it's offering up the promise. And I, I'm here to tell you that, you can, that faith can only be revealed in endurance. Because faith and the lock, lack of anxiety and the lack of fear are all intertwined. You cannot be walking in faith and have anxiety. You cannot be walking in faith and have fear. But you can't get to there from here without being tried. That's why 
The trial of faith is more precious than gold. Faith is a dime a dozen. To every man has been given the measure of faith. But very, very few ever see it because they see the trial and they're convinced something else is going on. It's somebody else's fault. Something else is happening. But the trial, anything that you perceive as negative, it doesn't matter whether it's a hangnail or somebody screaming at you, is the trial of faith and it's originated by God so that that life which is within you is tested. Peace? Okay. So that's why... Now, Sarah is the example here. First of all, because she, re she retained her... There is no mention in the scriptures up to this point of anybody ever being old in terms of um, wrinkled or gray hair or... Nowhere. We'll see something in a, in a little bit where, where Abraham finally gets old, but the Talmud says it was a grace of God, and we'll study that more important. But up to this point, there's no mention of anybody aging, as we think about aging. And Sarah is the type of the bride as God sees us. She, she's, no matter what her age, her beauty is perfect. So perfect that Pharaoh would be willing to give half his kingdom for her. And so our job within each other is to call out that hidden beauty. No longer to look at the surface. We look not at the things which are seen, but the things that are unseen. And we call out that hidden beauty. You know, like for me, the beauty is hidden really deep. But it's there by faith. But that's what we begin to see in each other. We begin to call forth that hidden beauty. We no longer look at the flaws on the surface. And, and in that, we're calling forth Sarah. Okay? Now, this strange town called Kirjath Arba. It means the city of four giants in the Hebrew. Two. Now you remember, we said that that um, the reason that the flood existed, that God sent the flood, it was because it says the sons of God had intermingled with the daughters of men, and it polluted the human race. Well, somehow in this window of the spirit beings, they polluted it again. And we'll see in a minute that, that much of the promised land was inhabited by giants. Now, I know this, you know, every culture in every society has mythology concerning giants. Why? Where did it come from? Much of it you can look at it, and it's extremely similar to, to and much of it, we'll study some of the Talmud stuff about the giants. But the reason that the promise came to David, I believe, is that David, when he killed Goliath, Goliath was the last of that race. 
Right? As he killed him, he destroyed that potentiality of that mixing. And so from that seed came the Messiah. Okay. Oh, anyway, we'll get, we'll, we'll start. Giants are interesting. Was it reminds me, you know, thought comes to my mind about giants, and I'm thinking that, like a lot of today's preachers, mix the spirit and the flesh, and they become giants yeah. in the world. Yeah, too. that's good. Well, Abraham was aware away at the time of Sarah's death. He was probably twenty four. He was probably twenty four miles away at Beersheba, and it's uh, it's been several years now since Isaac was sacrificed. They also, the Talmud says that Abraham, I mean, that Isaac now during this time was, and one, one rabbi said he was in, in paradise studying Torah for these years, because we don't hear anything about him for a while. Another one says it's more logical that he was in the house of Shem, who was one of the survivors of the flood, studying all the ancient wisdom. Abraham was? No, Isaac. Oh, Isaac. Um, And Sarah died in, in, in the same as Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abraham came to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. I believe this is the first time that mourn is used in the scriptures. What is mourning? M-O-U-R, not M-O-R-N. The word is the Hebrew word safad, which means to tear the hair, beat the breasts, to wail, and then the weep. Which it says to mourn and weep. It's um, it's it's the working out of the grief process. It's um, it's a combination of anger and frustration and fear and sort of in a way, sort of similar to weaning, I think. For those of you that have seen the cross and seen your death on the cross, have you ever mourned for the old man? If you haven't, you haven't seen the cross. Mourning some neat stuff about morning. Morning is, to, in, 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 in Hebrew, it's so important that if you're for some reason unable to mourn, you hire someone to mourn for you. In the Middle East, if you, if you're, if you're a wealthy family, you don't want to do all that stuff that they do. Have any of you, you 
have any of you been in the Middle East? Have any of you seen an Arab or Middle Eastern funeral? Something else. There's a beating, um, tearing of hair, tearing of clothes, uh, a total and complete loss of propriety. If you can't mourn for whatever reason, they, you, you, are, you are to hire a mourner. Why? What is connect? What is this stuff? What is mourning? Why do you mourn? And should you? From now on, every time we see death, we'll see mourning in the scriptures. Well, mourning, mourning is important because that means you see, and when you see the cross, you realize how total the cross is, and that your your total being, you know, your personality, whatever you thought you were, is it's gone. It's, it's gone. It's dead. Know, it's like you. So it's a sign of seeing, seeing that totality of the loss. It's a, in a way, it's a cleansing process. It's it's sort of. It's sort of yeah. similar to a kid throwing a temper tantrum. It's a, it's a cleaning out process of, um, of a lot of different emotions. I told uh, some of I've told some of you. My my father and I were not close. In fact, I didn't see him for thirteen years before he died. And uh, I thought he's a wimp. Um, but I was the only son and. You know, according in all this Norwegian culture, that's a big deal. So, I went back up. To, his body was sent back up to Minnesota. I went up there for the funeral. And um, it was a country church with. It was only the family, but there was jillions of family. And then they had the, the the funeral. I mean, the ceremony, and and then we went. The the, the graveyard was right across the street, and so we went over and buried him. And then we came back downstairs, and everybody had brought. Food, covered dishes, and it was a. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm cool. I'm sitting there, watching all these ancient relatives that I don't even I didn't even know their names. I hadn't seen them since I was little. And all of a sudden, I lost it, and for a half hour or more, I I, I was almost hysterical. Just total and complete wipeout. Well, what in the hell was I crying about? I didn't even like him. I believe that I, I was crying for what might have been, or what could have been. Now, the same thing, in a very unique way, happened to me when I became a believer, when I saw the cross. I mourned for what could have been. At the same time, in an instant, it became a, a cry of joy for what now is. Am I communicating at all? Yeah, it's sort of like closing one book and opening another. Yeah, but if you can't mourn, that's an evidence that there is a... You, 
I, I believe that if, if there's no mourning, there's an evidence that there will be no, there will be no, um, how can I say this? There's no, uh, you won't go on from there. You will stay at that, you, you have, you cannot bury that until there's a mourning. And don't mourn when you're just sick. When you're sick, you keep hoping you'll get better and right. get better. Now, I'm telling you, this is a big, big deal. That Any, the problem with this stuff is anytime, any way I can say it, it'll sound like something you should do. Yeah. And I don't want to get into that. But Well, it takes breaking. A breaking has to come. Let's go to Psalm 51. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. According to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. <laughs> By the way, that's just the scripture that, that some of the religions got and used to that the sex act was the original sin. They don't see it that it's the genetic nature of the beast. Anyway. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Now that is mourning. And before there can be the joy and the gladness, there has to be the mourning. The old-time Pentecostals used to pray for the gift of tears. 
mourning for your wasted life, mourning for your dead. A broken and contrite heart, thou wilt not despise. That is the conviction of the Spirit, the conviction of sin. Amen. Not to try to be better. If you, if you think you can be better or do something differently, then you are, as Butch said, you're just sick and think you're going to get better. But the mourning process requires the totality of you seeing as dead. I mean, how many, every one of you think that I'm going to improve in this area of my life. Or I'm going, to, I'm going to do something different. And then... No. Every one of you want somebody else to improve on their area of their life. That's no. not the way it works. So the mourning and the weeping in the culture, it's, it's like in, in the Middle Eastern culture, not just in Israel, in all the Middle Eastern countries. In fact, all of them that are either the, the Israelis or the Arab that are influenced by the Koran. There's a formal mourning ceremony. And it's a race, I mean, it's like a, it's like a memory or a, an attempt to create what is supposed to be. But it, it, it's become a caricature, you know, because they hire somebody to go beat them in their backs to mourn and wail. The Irish hired Jews. Yeah. <laughs> but but I, I want to try to get to you the importance of letting that mourning process take place. Don't be ashamed of it. Okay. Yeah, but the problem is, it's not, I mean, it's not just you, it's everyone. We don't see what dead means. And if we don't know what dead means, then we can't mourn for the dead. What does dead mean? Spiritually dead means separated forever. Separated forever from the source of life. <clears throat> and it's only the hope of resurrection that causes continuance. But we have become, our consciences have become seared. I mean, I'm not picking a Jan, I'm talking about the human race. We've been seared because of the... Uh, I mean, can you just stop and think a minute? You're going to die. There's no doubt about it. Forget all the theological bullshit. You are going to die. 
people that are closest to you will die. Now, the question is, I want you to imagine having a consciousness after death, but in that consciousness you're eternally separated from anything that you hold precious or dear. <clears throat> now, I used to give a talk that about that that I, I perceived what what hell was. It was a an eternity of self-seeking spent with an accusing heart. Well, then it, then it struck me that, my God, that's all that the human race is. Yeah, so basically it's just separated by You're, desiring me. Well, it's separated, totally separated, so we don't have the illusion of looking like we're doing stuff. Yeah. I mean, this is big-time stuff. This is, what, this is what has come back to me over and over and over over a period of six or seven months now three, four, five in the morning, has been this, the earth just coming away from under me and just an eternity of falling and darkness and total, complete aloneness. And, and those words don't convey what that feels like. It's, um... I mean, I know this won't make any sense, but I'll try to... We have, uh, we're, we're living in something that's called linear time. And so we have the luxury of seeing seconds and minutes and hours and days and weeks and months and years pass. And, and it's like, they're going by. And, and in that, we can always think about that something is going to get better tomorrow. Well, if you study the human race, or if you study your own life, and honestly, nothing has ever gotten better. It's only gotten worse. Your greatest dreams and ambitions when you were a child are gone. Everything that you have depended on in the natural, whether it be friends or acquaintances or, or strengths, they're, 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 they're slowly denigrating, some rapidly denigrating. Nothing in your life is getting better. Now, I'm here to tell you that nothing in your life will ever get better. Your little dreams and your little ambitions and your little hopes, they're spiritual masturbation. And they'll have the same net effect. Now, you won't believe this. You still cling to the hope that something is going to get better. Anything that's dependent on time, i.e., therefore, your thoughts, your plans, your ambitions, your things to do, will have to, by law, by the second law of thermodynamics, have to denigrate, have to get worse. The only thing that stays in a constant state of expanding awareness towards joy is that which doesn't change with time. Now, that, and that can, can only come by revelation, and that comes only at death of you, and it comes only when the death of you has been experientially known and therefore mourning takes place. 
But until you stop this stupid stuff of thinking about things that you're going to do to give you pleasure, you'll never know morning. Because you'll still live in the illusion that there is life tomorrow. And you'll give it a religious overlay if you happen to be of that bent. Or you'll go take one of Zig Ziglar's courses or Success in Life at Word of Faith or anything. You'll do anything to keep the illusion alive that you're going to get better. And so you come to God because you're going to get better. Accept Jesus as your personal Savior and you'll make your life real nice. No. There's a totality of a new consciousness. And that consciousness is Christ in me. No longer me that lives at all. But you can't know Christ living in you until you go through the mourning process of your own death. As long as you continue to live in the illusion that something is going to get better, you're a fool. Show me some evidence that this is happening. That for me is the essence of what I would try to communicate about. We talked one night about the horror of great darkness that came on Abraham. And it wasn't long before this started in me. And the thing that, that I would try to communicate is that there's that there's nothing, when that happens, there's nothing to hide behind. There, there is no illusion. There's, I, I, because when I felt it starting, I'd get up and go turn on the TV set, and it didn't work. And I'd turn on some music, and it didn't work. And I'd try this, and I'd try that, and it just continued and continued. And finally, there was, there was nothing to hide behind. It was there, and it was <coughs> separation that was eternal, and that right. could not be denied. And it was lack of hope. There was no hope. Right. When um, you're talking about what hell is after you die, that it's se eternal separation from, from what you want, what you think is good, what you like. Um, I caught a glimpse of what heaven is now because it really doesn't change if we're, uh, as a believer, there's no such thing as death for us because um, what, we, yeah. what we value is God and it'll be even more God when we're dead, I suppose. Right. But it's God right now because we aren't, um, as a believer, wanting all these things. So, um, and then the, the person who wants all these things now, you know, at least they have the delusion, they're deceived, and so at least they think, well, it's going to get better. But the real hell is when you're, you're dead. There's, there's nothing there's that can nothing be done about there. it. And you're still wanting it. And the real, <clears throat> to me, the real grace now, the real grace is that in the, in and it's, and it's said over and over in Psalms that in the midst of that eternal falling and separation without hope, when just a cry, when, when a cry comes out to God, he's there. Right. That's why it says a broken and contrite heart thou will not despise. I don't understand your print, your if A, then B. It's, it seems to me you're saying if you can't physically mourn. And I think I've experienced mourning in the sense of loss of self and all that. But I mean, I'm talking about things in the natural, I guess, more. 
um, it's not a rule. This is if, yeah. If that means you're into world stuff, if if you you can't physically mourn and cry and stuff, that means you must be into career and mm -hmm. da da da. That's what I. No, I didn't. No, I'm saying though that I'm saying that the. I'm saying that, okay, let me, let me put it in another box. I'm saying don't be afraid of um, letting, and letting is the word. The, the two most important words in the Bible are reckon and let. Let means, it, it's like stop, well, the word let literally means to, to break a dam open. And the word reckon means to see it as finished. So you let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Let the tears, let flow, because you reckon yourself crucified. Now, in that process of letting, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, that's another word for saying it is prophecy. You're just saying what's there and all the other things we've talked about. There's no definition of whether... Uh, there's no judgment with regard to the depth of mourning. I mean, you know, it's not anybody else's business to say whether or not you require 43 teardrops to, to be a suitable mourn. But I sense, in, in, you know, I'm talking about honesty now, I sense in you a longing for that total release. And all, and, and all I'm saying is don't be afraid of it. And it's there, you know, if that's, if that's what's desired, then that's what's there. And it may be. And it's also in you. you know, it may be, and maybe, you know, maybe this is a cop-out for my own sake, but it may be that, for instance, in Jan's case, it may be that she's been mourning for a year. And, and instead of, instead of all the tears and the wailing, it's, 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 it comes out in other ways. I mean, it, it you know. Well. I don't, I don't know, but, but all I know is is that it's happened many times in the group over the last 10 years where magic happened, literal magic happened when crying started. I mean, we so despise it, but man, it's just... It's the scariest thing in the world for me. Yeah. I used to cry. Really easily. Uh, and when I lost George, you know, completely, after <coughs> it was like a wall came down and I was numb. I couldn't cry. I couldn't, I didn't feel anything. I didn't feel anything. And it scared the hell out of me, and I'm just now to the point where I can, you know, shed tears of even joy. Mm -hmm. I'm just, you know, so. Well, it's something that all I can, all I'll, you know, it's something that's a personalized thing, so you can't do anything. All I'm telling you is that if there's a, and I, and I know it because it happened in me, that for a great, other than the first time when there was revelation, when I cried a lot, 
but there was a long period of time when there was no tears in me, even after the group started. And I, but there was a longing for a release that wasn't, I mean, it was like, you know, it was like, it was like I walked around all the time with something caught in my throat. Okay, and then, I guess it was maybe, I guess maybe it was, I don't remember when, it, but I remember one night, I think maybe it was, it was when, what's your name, call me the Antichrist? And, okay. Okay? So that was, anyway, there was a period of time in which, man, I just lost it. <clears throat> but it, but it was not, but the tears weren't for any sp thing that I thought they were for. I mean, it was mourning, but it wasn't related to what I thought it was happening. And it was, it was. But a in the midst of that, there's pure joy. Oh yeah, yeah. But but the, when it when it but it was really because it was it was out of it was this thing about out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. And so all I'm saying to you, if you have that sense, that sense of the need for release, it, you know, just pray to be open. Because and and don't and and I, and I think in my case, the reason there was not any openness is because I was ashamed to cry. I never cried even when I was a kid. I mean, my mother said I never cried as a baby. <laughs> and and so I, it was a big deal for me to cry. I mean, publicly, it was... I can remember deciding when I was about that tall with my teeth set, that son of a bitch will never make me cry again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I remember Because I believed that his purpose was to make me cry. Right. I can't tell you how glad I am to hear you, how relieved I am for what you said about walking around like there was something caught in your throat. Because physically, I know what that is. I mean, I, that, yeah. that's yeah. in me. And sometimes it feels, it almost feels like there's been a bone stuck inside of my throat. And sometimes I feel it start to come loose. Mm -hmm. And then it goes away. Yeah, yeah. I, I pushed it back so much, crying, that when I, when I do, something finally touches me to where I can cry, my eyes will tear up, and maybe I'll get one tear. And then it shocks my body so much that that's it. But I, I'm needing that release. Right. Yeah, you know, the person it to me at, at night configuration the other night. Me it too. seems that when I start to when something when I see truth when I hear it or see it, mm -hmm. the reaction is the beginning of tears, and then I stop it. I'll I just lose it. it. <laughs> to be able to do that or let that. Yeah. yeah. Well, it sounds you know, but I, I would encourage each of you to, to to pray for the gift of tear. I mean, because it's a spiritual thing. It's it's a. Mm -hmm. You know, when it says the gifts of the Spirit, the word gifts isn't there. It's just I, now concerning spirituals. I would not have you be ignorant. But. I remember that time it happened when we were up in the office and me and Ed got, well, I didn't tell you. I don't know if you knew or not, but I, I just wasn't in. I was looking. I was saying, what are all these people doing? You know, people were um, washing each other's feet and stuff. And Ed told you, he says, I feel weird. And he said, you know, leave if you want to. But I, I just... I felt real weird, and I wasn't in, in on it, and it was like, gosh, this is strange. Everybody was crying? Yeah, everybody was crying. I wasn't, me and Kathy, I don't think we were, and then Ed felt weird, too. So. But most everybody was. Yeah. Well, we've had several of those. Not in a long time, though. Hmm? Not in a long time. No. But I remember the last time it happened, I mm -hmm. felt so out of place and so <laughs> weird. <laughs> Looked real blissful, but 
we, we protect ourselves subconsciously. Yeah. We don't even know we're doing it. And that's why we need each other, too. We, we have to... You can't do this alone. You have to have the body. You have to have somebody to take off your grave clothes. Because you don't even know... They're, first of all, you, you, you've had the grave clothes on so long, you, you think they're pretty neat. <laughs> take away my fig leaf. Yeah. But you need to have the grave clothes removed and you can't we can't do it ourselves yeah. and uh, whether it's in um, in this thing about seeing how we protect this well it all goes back to we're, we're afraid you know as children so many times we we reached out to something or someone and then got stepped on or hurt. And as a child, every time that happened, we would retreat to a shell and the shell gets more and more layers on it. And um, think of thinking, you know, I'm, I'm, I remember, I, I got a terrible memory. I, I haven't thought about this one for ages. I was about 12 and I really liked this girl. I can't remember what happened, but anyway, I ran away because I was afraid that I would get beat up. But anyway, in my running away from her, I, I don't remember the details, but I left her in danger so I wouldn't get beat up. Strange thing, I think I'm on a little blow. <laughs> Sounds like my wife's divorce. Sounds like things like that too will cause us to, uh, like we we do something and we want praise from somebody or we want attention or you know to think that what we've done we've done is good. So that we don't, we don't come out right out and say I need this. Now we we try to act tough or right. you know so someone will. Or we say, beg the question. Or... Right, and so someone you know if someone says hey that's neat then we feel good but. We're not so obvious about it that they'll be able to crush us. You right, know? right. Yeah, when you're a little kid, you run up and say, look what I yeah, did. Yeah, right. But now we're... Now you sort of sneak just around. carry it right here. Yeah. You know, so. hey, I remember when I was... what I did. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I used to cry all the time. To the point of, you know, heaving and, you know, not being able to... And, and I, I can remember now my mom saying... You better not cry when you get over all your, you know, you will have used up all your tears. Hmm. It's not true. But can you remember those instances when you were a little, real little, and you did something wanting some, just, uh, not even approval, but just acknowledgement, and you got crushed? It happened time after time after time in all our lives. And we're still living as though motivated by those positions. And that's what causes the inwardness and the, because we're afraid to express. We're afraid, it, in our minds, we're afraid we'll get stepped on. And, and that damns this life. You know, a, just think of the, all of the areas in our lives that were like that, where we've covered it. Can you believe I once won a dance contest? I can't believe you played football. <laughs> 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 what kind of dance was it? 
God would have us totally free where there's no fear of the faces of men or fear of somebody's response where we just where we just are where we just be and that's the freedom that's set before us that's a good place to stop because I don't, if we go on to the next part it's going to get all complicated does anybody have any needs or Anything else to say? Oh, I wanted to say one more thing. I, um, I've been on this thing about real estate and getting into real estate, and I could, I'm seeing again, I was thinking I was doing it for Kathy, and I can see I'm doing it for myself again. I just want to let it go, let it all go, and not worry about things. Right. I would like to pray to be able to cry. Okay, you got a whole bunch of tears now. You know, they, they're all used up for me. Me too. I'm going to piggyback on that one. Okay. Yeah, and you saved so many. Though. You guys saved so many. One of these days. Kathy, we better not be around when, when, when she does it. <laughs> Father, we love you. Just open us up to your perfection. Thank you for these people, Father. As we become closer than I thought it was ever possible. To see your faithfulness. To rest totally in your perfect loving arms. It. Let us see that you were always there and are always and will always be. That we're constantly girded by your arms of protection. As the Father cherisheth the Son. Let us see that in each of us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Big, big guy. Boo, take Boo. your foot. <laughs> Go foot. Yeah.